want to thank all of our listeners for several years of dedicated and loyal listening throughout the Halo Talks 400 podcast completed to date. We're going to 1,000 by 2024. If you're so inclined, we'd love to have you go to iTunes for us, fill out a review so we can keep this podcast rolling globally. We are now on Chartable's top lists and moving up the charts. Also, if you want to educate yourself in the new year, please go to thehaloacademy.com. Take a look at what we've done with 150 executives in the Halo sector to get them smarter, get them prepared for capital raises, and also more winning. Thanks. Have a great season. Let's go. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of bringing from across the pond, out of London, Alex Peacock, Leisure Labs. We're going to talk about where technology is going, what's on the frontier, and how to prioritize if you are an operator. What is the most important thing to make an impact in 2023? Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Pete. Great to join you today. Awesome. So you've been uh, on the technology side of this industry for quite some time. Uh, so you want to give your uh, quick background and then we can uh, dive into what you guys are tackling at Leisure Labs. Yeah, sounds great. So, um, yeah, I've been I've really been in technology my whole career. Um, I got into the fitness sector um, just over 20 years ago, actually. Um, my original business, um, I've, I've founded various different startups throughout that time. Uh, but my first business was actually um, providing audiovisual systems for, at the time, we were working in bars and restaurants. And in around 2000, 2001 in the UK, um, there was a big influx of new health club brands and new new gym brands coming onto the um, onto the scene. So we we started designing uh, audiovisual systems for um, for the the new gym and fitness market. Um, from there, I, I then um, became involved in a, a Canadian company actually called Zoom Media. Um, I set up their European business for them um, in London and scaled that business over over ten years. Um, before I moved on to uh, to work with a, a US company called Netpulse, uh, which was a, a white label mobile app for uh, for health club operators, we were working with about uh, ten thousand different different clubs around the world. Um, so I, I ran that business in Europe and then, and then worldwide for, um, for about four years. That's amazing. So, you know, as you look at your career, uh, I would say the, the health club and the fitness industry before the pandemic was known as, you know, slow to embrace new technologies. You know, are we now in pace with other industries, uh, given some of the investments that have been made on the uh, VC and growth equity side and some of the larger players? And where do you think we're, we're at right now? I think we, I think we still have some work to do. Um, there are uh, sectors like certainly hospitality um, and particularly retail um, are, are, are doing a lot more in, in some markets. There are, um, uh, there, there's a way to go. And, and I think when you look at, for the most part, um, what operators are spending on technology relative to their peers in other in other sectors? Um, we are we are still a little bit behind, um, but in general, there's been um, there's been a massive shift certainly in the last in the last two or three years. We work with some 
um, some very large operators um, that have uh, have always been, I guess, ahead of the curve in fitness terms, and now they're they're really starting to uh, to do a lot more in terms of innovation. Um, I think the uh, the the platform business and the software suppliers have um, have have been um, you know been a challenge in the past, but I think as as you said, we're seeing a lot more investment uh, on the platform side. There's a lot more private equity money coming in um, to some of the leading software brands, and that's helping them to remodernize their their systems. So when you think about you know technology in general, I kind of view it as a weapon. Uh, it's a weapon to better run your operation. It's a weapon to maintain relationships with members. I, I said somewhat as a joke, uh, but I was serious. Uh, you can't have artificial intelligence until you have intelligence. Uh, so you actually got to gather that data and spend the time to do it. Uh, so you know, as you think about ranking you know, maybe the top three technology priorities that operators should be focused on before they take a quantum leap to something that may be a, a buzzword, you know, wh where do you kind of start? Yeah, so I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I, always, um, I always view technology as an accelerator. So it will, it will accelerate things, but that can be good and that can be bad. So if you're doing things badly, if you have the wrong operational processes in place, um, you know, technology is going to make that more of a problem than it is today. So you have to get those those operational foundations right, and then you can use technology to uh, to help you scale faster, help you um, help you improve things, help you automate processes. Um, but I think the as an operator, really the key thing to think about is your um, is your platforms. So um, the 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 whole reason why. Um, why we founded Leisure Labs is because um, what we could see in the market was this um, this challenge for operators. You have a when you're looking at um, a technology, you have a a choice to make. You can either buy a, a solution off the shelf, which may not meet your needs, it may not solve all your problems, um, or you can go out to to an agency and have them build something from from the ground up. Um, and that's obviously much more expensive. It's more time consuming. It's more risky. And so um, what we believe is that actually what the industry needs is a combination of the two. And now that the platforms are becoming more, more flexible, they're becoming more sophisticated, what it does is it allows us to, uh, to work on um, developing innovation around platforms. And so what we do is uh, we, will, we will work with partners to find out-of-the-box solutions that might solve 60 or 70% of their problems. And then we build the other 30% on top. So what that really allows operators to do is focus their innovation on, focus their development energy on things that are innovative and things that are actually going to help them differentiate their brand. So what I would say to your, to your point is... Um, Focus on getting the right systems in place that will solve the foundational needs. And then really from an innovation point of view, uh, you need to make sure that those systems are working well together. They're properly integrated. They're talking to each other. And then it becomes much easier to start putting in the next, the next cool thing. So if it's layering a, um, a conversational chat bot or layering in some kind of um, some kind of data science or, 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 or machine learning or personalization engine on top of that, you've got the right foundations in place. Gotcha. So from a standpoint of, of training all the 
employees in different departments. How are you seeing that being rolled out? You know, what is the the focal point when someone's putting in some new technologies? You know, how's that getting educated and distributed? You know, do you see that as one of the the obstacles uh, in, in rollouts of tech, new technologies and, and apps that are, you know, constantly being updated and there's a communication and marketing flow that, that should be going alongside with that? Yeah, I mean, I think change management in general is a um, is a huge factor, and it's it's often an underestimated factor. Um, I think with with digital, the great thing about digital is that you can you can change it very easily. So you can um, you know software can be rewritten, software can be updated, user interfaces can be redesigned, but you've got to think about the operational impact of that. So if you're changing something around, you know, something as simple as uh, as class booking uh, or you know book book a class in an app if you get that wrong then you you have you know massive queues outside your studios and people showing up at the wrong time and all of those kind of operational challenges so um just because it's it's on the face of it the technology side of it could be easy um that doesn't mean that you should you should underestimate the, the sort of potential operational impact you made a point uh, earlier about you know, percentage of revenue that is spent on technology and other industries. Uh, I started here uh, back in 2000 and 2003. If it was more than 200 bucks per month per club, uh, that was a nosebleed price uh, point, even if it solved thousands of dollars worth of, of cost and, and brought in new revenue. So how do you think about educating the market on, here's your return on investment. Here's what we're going to, here's what the results are going to be. And we need to get our fair share of that in order to make sure that we can constantly develop and support this platform uh, as a uh, as a technology company or a, uh, an add on to something you're already doing. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's a great point, and and I've I've heard that many times where it, it seems like willingness to pay a lot of times for technology is based around um, the price in the market or based around this kind of notional. It's hundred dollars a month or two hundred dollars a month, and that's you know that's my budget for this. But there isn't enough attention given to actually what's the potential return on investment on this. What can we do if we develop this? If we make this better? If we if we can increase um, you know penetration of our of our premium membership tier by five percent? What difference does that make to our to the economics of our business? That sort of thing is very, um, very well established in things like marketing spend. You're always very focused on um, on ROI on marketing spend, but it's less so the case in in technology. And I, and I think that's something that operators, in many cases, are starting to starting to embrace. But there, there is, you know, this tendency to to, to set a set a budget based on a uh, you know an arbitrary factor rather than you know what what's this actually going to do to my business. Sure. You know, as, as technology becomes way more important in, in our industry, uh, as we've seen over the last several years, at what point or what size company do you start to have a chief technology officer, chief information officer, a data scientist? You know, how do you advise people on, you might think that your next position is a head of personal training or a regional director actually might be better spent on managing your technology with someone that you're going to pay you know, six figures and bring someone in from either in the industry or outside the industry uh, that's run this type of play before? 
So I think it it becomes more a question of um, it, there, there are different ways of tackling that. For sure, you need to have those skills on board one way or another. And it could be that you work with a uh, with a partner, it could be that your um, your sort of your primary platform um, provider will help you with that. But at some point, it's going to make sense for you to insource those skills yourself. And we work with a lot of companies that you use us as their technology partner. But there are certain parts of the the product and the customer experience and how they deliver technology that they need to have. They need to have those skills internally to be able to direct effectively. So. Um, I think what I would say is be be aware of if you're a if you're a brick and mortar operator, be aware of the fact that that's your core business. You're not a technology company, and and sometimes there could be a um, a tendency to to kind of get carried away with that. But at the same time, actually, really, if you're if you're operating at scale and you have um, you know twenty, thirty, hundred, hundred locations, then you should start to think about what well, we need to we need to dedicate some of our some of our resources to to bringing in in house expertise around digital products, uh, digital transformation, um, and technology. Great. So, whether you can name names or not of specific clients, what are some of the projects that you've worked on that you've said, "Wow, this actually was better than what we expected." So we have um, we have a couple of different types of, of clients that we work with. So we work with some uh, some larger operators. So um, you know brands like like David David Lloyd in the UK or, or Crunch in the US, uh, Fitness First, the Gym Group, and so on. And they we tend to work with them on particular projects. So um, we'll do a lot, particularly around the mobile app experience, for example. Um, and a lot of that tends to be quite operationally focused. But we also have another cohort of clients who are more um, more startups. So we work with brands where we can help them bring a new product to market. Um, and we've we've had a couple of particularly interesting um, areas that we've been working on recently. So one of those is a uh, it's a move to earn platform. So it's a um, you know you you do exercise, you elevate your heart rate, and you um, you're rewarded for that. Um, and it's actually a crypto-based reward. So um, that's been an interesting project working with, um, you know, crypto economics and, and building digital smart contracts for for, for crypto. So that that's been quite a good uh, a good project on that side. And the other thing that we have been working on, we've been working in a lot is uh, is AI chat. So um, we recently worked with a client to build out a a chat-based personal trainer. Which is uh, we've built all of the learning engine, so it uses the you know uses the Chat GPT model. It's a similar experience, but the chat is actually trained to be to act and behave like a personal trainer. So, just building out those um, those components to be able to train AI um, has been has been super interesting, and we see other use cases for that. So we're already looking at use cases like um, FAQs, so we can very easily train the model to know everything about your club. So you can just ask it a question, whether it's how do I cancel my membership or um, what time's the next spin class on Tuesday, it will, it will know that information and it will be able to respond naturally. So I think the way that that kind of information is consumed and the way that members expect to be able to interact um, is, you know, we, we're seeing a huge shift in that in a very, very short space of time. That's great. 
you know, when you look at some of the conferences, I know you just went to FIBO. Uh, I saw some of your posts on some other uh, summits you've gone to. How much of this industry is about let's collaborate, get the best technology platforms, and and then we'll compete on the marketing side, we'll compete on the programming, we'll compete on the relationships, and basically level up. Uh, Al Nashirvani is one of our our partners. He's got the FitTech Summit, um, and obviously there's a lot of information sharing that goes on. Uh, reference checks on on companies, uh, and there seems to be a pretty open dialogue uh, on the technology side. Where I'm not sure in other industries if they're that open to, to to lifting the industry up because they view technology as we're technology companies. You know, we're not really sharing anything because that's where we're competing on. So how do you, how do you kind of view that? And maybe longer term, does that change when you've got you know big consolidators that are you know, try to get an end-to-end system and, you know, have a closed network versus a tech stack, tech stack that's, you know, more open source and API'd? I think for the most part, um, I would agree the industry is is generally very open and very collaborative. Certainly, you know, operators come together and 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 work through problems and talk about problems that they have and they're interested in how other operators are solving things. So I think yeah, as an industry, we do a we do a really good job of that already. I think there are um, there are other specific examples of that. So um, I'm obviously based here in the UK. We have um, we have a quite an active um, public sector here in the UK. So it would be be analogous to to kind of the the nonprofit, the the, the Ys and YMCA's and the JCCs and so on in the US. But we have quite a large public sector. Um, and we're, we're, uh, um, we work with UK active, which is the, um, the, the association, um, for, for the fitness industry in the UK. And we work on a lot of strategic projects where it's about actually helping operators to solve problems together. So we'll, we'll even do things like development consortium projects. So we'll get three or four operators together that are looking to solve a particular problem and then they'll share the cost of doing that. And I think those are the kinds of things that are really going to help take the industry forward because fundamentally 80% of, of problems are shared. So if you can, if you can find a way of, of solving the 80% in the most cost-effective, most scalable way, then it means that you have more money to spend on those things that are really differentiating you as a brand. So you can, you can sort of say, this is the common ground here. And then, you know, this is the 10% that is our secret source. And that's the bit that we want to make sure that we, you know, we own and we protect. Great. So in closing here, tell us about what type of client, obviously you talked about a couple of different size operators and startups, but where, where's the call go into leisure labs? You know, what's the frustration or, you know, the start of a project when, when you should be top of mind? So our, 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 our mission really, as I said, is to provide this sort of alternative to the classic buy or build decision. So if you're looking at a, a software project, um, if you're looking at, uh, you know, a new app or a new, a new management system or any kind of, uh, any kind of platform like that, we can come in and we can help identify the best way to solve that problem, which might be with a combination of different platforms connected together. We'll do the integration work. Um, we'll do the the kind of build the connective tissue between those platforms, and we'll we'll build the 
the front-end experience or customize the front-end experience as much as is needed. That's great. So what, what do you think, uh, 2023, 2024, what are your, um, you know, top directives to make sure, you know, this industry is focused on? I think we're, we're starting to see a lot more, um, a lot more potential around platforms and what platforms can do. So a lot of the, uh, the, the member management type systems that have, um, you know, in the past potentially been, been closed or been quite constrained in terms of what they do, there has been a huge shift in terms of their, their opening up. So I think what we'll see is we'll see a trend from, um, you know, closed platforms and, and one, one solution that tries to solve everything in a, in an operator's, um, tech stack to much more point solutions, um, and much more, um, you know, single pieces of technology that will, will really solve a problem. And then I think from a, from a, uh, a technology point of view, um, you know, everyone's talking about chat and, and, and AI and, and how that, how that can apply. We're starting to see real life use cases now. So I think what, what's really shifted in the last sort of six months is people have been talking about AI and machine learning for a long time, but they haven't really seen it in practice in, in at scale. So now everybody's starting to you know, play with chat GPT or whatever the latest AI tool is, and people are starting to really see how they can actually start to apply that to their businesses in real life. There was a really interesting uh, interview with uh, Elon Musk on the, uh, the the potential threats of AI. Um, I think it's more going to be an opportunity for our industry uh, th- than anything else. Uh, but I've been using it to uh, to do research and do some do some slides, and uh, it's pretty fascinating uh, what that uh, capability is and how quickly uh, it, it ports out information to you in a in, in an elegant way. Yeah, it's it's incredible how fast that technology has evolved and it will continue to get faster and faster. Um, and I think one of the biggest challenges that we have to navigate is actually making making clear what is human and what is not human because it's becoming harder to tell. And so there are there are all of this the sort of the uh, the moral and practical issues around you're having a conversation with somebody. Is it actually a person or is it or is it a uh, is it an AI? Um, and, and I think that's going to be a lot of sort of mindset, mindset shift and change management needed. Yeah. So in closing, you've got any good, uh, business quotes or, uh, quotes that you live by or um, Alexisms? I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a proponent of, uh, I, I, if you've come across, um, David Allen, uh, wrote a book called getting things done. He has a quote in there that I, I really like, which is you can do anything, but not everything. And I think that's a, that's a good one just in terms of um, one of the hardest parts of scaling a business is figuring out what is an opportunity and what is a distraction. And so that, that, that whole way of, of, of prioritization is, uh, is something that I, um, I definitely hold dear. Great. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, look forward to uh, meeting up in person at the next uh, event. And we're going to try and get over to... Uh, to the UK, Europe, and maybe uh, Singapore. So uh, thanks for your contributions to the industry, getting people on the right track, convincing them that technology is a secret weapon that needs to be part of the toolkit and the nervous system of their clubs and not uh, an afterthought for a couple hundred a month. Thanks very much for having me. It's been great chatting today, Pete.
Awesome. All right, great. Have a good day, buddy.